Little girl, you look so lonesome. I see you all feeling blue. Ain't no use in staying at home. I know what Hello and welcome back to Celtic 2021. What a special, special episode you join us on uh, tonight. And we couldn't be happier um, to sit here and chew the fat over what went on over the weekend. Uh, I'm Ryan and joined as usual by Paul. Um, Paul, how are you doing? Absolutely brilliant. I, uh, I think I've only just come down off the ceiling for Saturday there. What an unbelievable day. Absolutely for start to finish, it was just absolutely amazing. Aye, <laughs> what a time to be a Tim. Aye, it was, the whole day was just absolutely brilliant. Sun was shining, a proper Celtic day, the way the game went, the scenes afterwards with open top bus tour. Um, days like that are why you follow Celtic. That's following them all season, everywhere, every week, they're with them. Midweek games in the winter, when it's pissing rain, absolutely freezing. They're the days that you live for as a football fan because it's just absolutely brilliant. It makes the the no no draws with Kilmarnock on a Wednesday night in the rain all worthwhile, brother, doesn't it? Aye, absolutely. Um, what what an absolute phenomenal time again, and I probably say it about five ten times throughout this podcast. But what an amazing time! To follow Celtic and um, see just the the phenomenal growth that we've experienced in a team which has, I suppose, a lot of the same people in it that, that were in it the season before Brendan Rodgers arrived and some of the stuff he's done has absolutely been otherworldly, like just th- things that you would never have believed that this team could have achieved. Yes, he has added to it, but just that weekend has been... 
an absolute miracle. It was absolutely phenomenal to complete the double treble, and there just probably hasn't been a better time to record a podcast talking about Celtic. Definitely, I for the day of the cup final was actually, I think it was the day before the two-year mark since Celtic appointed Brendan Rodgers, which, as you kind of touched on there, it's astonishing to think of the journey that the team has went on. Just what 730 days in the space of the space of two years, because um, that, I mean, at the end of Ronnie Dyla's reign, we were pretty. It's still been winning the league, but. I mean, the confidence was pretty low towards the end of his reign, and to think that from that we've seen two seasons that might never be repeated in our lifetimes ever again. To have the first season, which was something we thought we would never see, an invincible treble season, to go through, through the whole season unbeaten and get a clean sweep was just absolutely unreal. But to follow that up this season by becoming the first team in Scottish football history to do back-to-back trebles, I mean, it's just an absolute, unbelievable achievement for Brendan Rodgers. And it's a real feather in his cap. And he's he's put himself amongst the greatest Celtic managers that we've ever had. And he's only he's only two years in. It's astonishing, like, just thinking that in our history we had done three trebles and we've gone and done two in successive seasons. Like, it's just, it does kind of bigger belief, but when you see the impact that Brendan Rodgers has had um, and just, like, the the belief, you, you touched on it there and when Ronnie Dyla was on his way out, the belief wasn't there in the Celtic team. A, a lot of, again, I've just said it just a, a couple of moments ago, just that the team, the, there's a, a large number of those players that are with us now who were in that team with Ronnie Dyla, and the the belief they have, they've had injected into them by Brendan Rodgers, by his management style, his, uh, obviously the way that he kind of handles the players and, and um, the belief that he's built in them is has delivered back-to-back trebles. Like, let me say that again: delivered back-to-back trebles in Scotland for the first time ever. Ah, oh, nothing better, absolutely nothing better. No, it's it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy time to be following Celtic, as as we keep saying. And aye, it's just an absolutely. It's a feat that we might never, we might never see repeated. And for all we've we've been going over the inconsistencies this year, which we're not allowed to talk about tonight. We can Band. we can we can mention them in passing, but tonight's a bit a bit celebration. Um, for all that, I mean, to do to to seal the the treble and and for it to be twice in a row. I mean, it's just fantastic. Well, let's let's run through the day. Um, you you're probably as well taking us on a wee journey through um, your day uh, on the run up to the the final. Um, you were there in the stadium. Uh, give us a wee kind of brief insight into a day um, as a Celtic fan going into the double treble. 
coming out with the double treble, experiencing it all, the emotions, the highs. Um, I'll leave it to you, Paul. Aye, well, it was just, as I said at the start, from beginning to the end, it was just an absolutely amazing day. I mean, you just had that feeling, like when the sun's shining and it's Scottish Cup final day, it's the showpiece at the end of the season. And just going there is a real part of the atmosphere. Everybody in the bus and the way in, going into the stadium, everybody's just like, like so excited about the the spectacle of the cup final. And to be fair to uh, the SFA, they did put together a decent sort of pre-match show in the build-up to it. I don't know about Michael Buffer though. I think he should stick to boxing a wee bit. <laughs> A wee bit cringeworthy having him at the side of the park shouting at the, the team lines. But no, the whole spectacle was, was just brilliant. And then, I mean, for the minute the game got started and getting the early goal, which we'll come on to when we talk about the game in more detail. I mean, for there, it was just, you could just sense that this was, that we were going to do it, that this was the day that we were going to make another unbelievable piece of history and for there on in it was just I mean to be in the stands it was just absolute jubilation um, the scenes throughout the rest of the game and then afterwards with the trophy celebrations and Kieran Tierney um, doing his bit with the megaphone and you'll never walk alone and it was just absolutely fantastic like I was just I would just find myself in disbelief a wee bit, not because like we'd beat Muller in the cup final, but just because of the size of the achievement. And and to be there and to see it, as I said last week, it was my first Scottish Cup final and just a special, special day in in my my whole lifetime as a Celtic fan. And like I said, that's that's the highs of following your team. That's why you do it week in and week out season after season, because it makes days like that all the sweeter. Absolutely, and I watched it on the, the television, and and just, like, you could see, it, it was scintillating, just like the, the crowds were, um, it, it was just like one of those, like, the huddle, and the kind of turn away for the, the game, and just everything was bouncing, the stands were literally bouncing, um, and I've been there, I, it must have been pretty special. Um, the game, so we, we talked about it, there was an early goal, um, but running up to the game, we did think that Celtic were going to do it, we did think that when the big occasions come, Brendan Rodgers' team always shows up, um, again we're banned totally from talking about the, <laughs> the poor performances this season, uh, but we did believe that we had it in us to go and put it to bed. Um, the game got underway. Um, and again, you're probably as well kind of giving us a recap from what you've seen um, at the, the pitch side. And I'll kind of give my insight into what I've, I've watched on the television um, during the game. Uh, and then since they're just kind of recapping over some highlights. So, um, aye. Well, as we touched on the team selection last week, it was... Uh, as we expected, Gordon did come back in, I think he said after the game. Uh, on sports sound that his leg would have had to have been hanging off to miss it. So he came back in for, for Bain and then the team was uh, as we expected it would be. 
And we got off to a good start. I mean, nothing extraordinary in the first inside the first ten minutes, but and you could tell that we were we were up for it and as up for it. And as, as I said, th there was just this feeling. You could just feel the that this was the day that we were going to we were going to do it. Um, and then just after ten minutes, we got the breakthrough. Um, and what a wonderful goal! I mean, it's probably you'll be hard pushed to find a better Celtic goal in a cup final than that from uh, Callum McGregor. It's just absolutely fantastic technique. Lustig put the cross in, and at the time w when it got cleared out, I mean, it just happened in the blink of an eye, watching it for the stands. And when you see it again, it's just one fluid movement. He get, gets in between the two defenders, he reacts quicker, cushions it with his left foot, the inside his left foot, and then, as I say, one fluid motion, just lashes it on the half volley with his right foot, and it was like a bullet, and it was just absolute pandemonium in the stands. It was unreal. My view of it from, from watching it on the television was just like he... He literally exploded through the middle of the two Motherwell players, left them for dead, and it was almost like a blink of an eye, and it was in the back of the net. Like it was literally, he rifled that shot into the net like you wouldn't believe, and took it so well. And we've spoke about Callum McGregor this year and how well he's come on, and that that was testament to that guy's season. Like I think. That goal was well deserved. Um, he took it like an absolute champ, um, and what a start! We were on now up, eleven minutes in, and on our way to the double trebles. Aye, um, like we've said, Callum McGregor has had a, a brilliant season. I've heard a few people saying actually that it was reminiscent of his goal against Zenit. Obviously, that was that was for a good bit closer in. But again, it was similar, like first touch was left foot and then on the half volley was right into the roof of the net. Um, aye, and it, he's been a great player this season. He's somebody that Brendan Rodgers really relies on, as we've mentioned in previous previous weeks. And that was us off to a great start. And as I say, you just knew, I think for Muller won't have any chance, they were going to have to score the first goal. Um, and you knew that if we got into our stride and got the an early lead, then... Um, there was only going to be one outcome, and uh, we really, really pushed on for there. Aye, um, and it wasn't all that long. Um, on again from from the first goal uh, that we we managed to double the lead. Aye, well, I think Tierney came in off the left hand side, and I think he works the ball to Tom Rogic and. Rogic plays it in at Dembele in the edge of the box and Dembele who was absolutely brilliant all afternoon he ended up getting the sponsors man of the match and deservedly so his, his hold up play was just phenomenal and he, he managed to hold off uh, Tom Aldred and he just lays it neatly into the path and Cham and he just kind of cuts across it and I don't see it at the time but it took a little nick off Creepy but it just buried in the bottom corner and I mean at that time at the game you're thinking this could be any score today, but just to be 2 0 up 20 minutes in, that was when we, I mean, I've said we had the feeling that we were on the brink 
uh, for the word go, but to be 2-0 up that, that early into the game, it was, it was a fantastic start. I Cham took it really well, um, but again, we touched on the fact that um, Big Dembele was alert. He was, he's just a presence, isn't he? He's just one of these guys that when he's up for it, he's he's one of those guys you would only want on your team. Like he, he, he was just he's he's so physical, and he holds people off so well. And the way he laid it out to Cham, um, just teed him up nicely for the finish, and it was so sweet. Um, into the the bottom corner, albeit maybe I did take that wee nick off the keeper, but um, he buried it into the the back of the net, and I think that was what. Um, nine goals for the season for Cham. Ah, he's he's definitely grew since he came in. I think it, the first maybe six months of the season he was in and out of the team. Uh, but as we've come into the second half of the season, he's really really showed his quality. And um, I think we've got a, a proper player on our hands there. And I think next season could be a big one for him. Aye, he's uh, <laughs> again. We've, we've um, talked about Chama a few times and um, it's exciting that he is only uh, 21 years old and um, I think up to when he joined Celtic um, last year uh, he'd scored three goals in his career so he's travelled that in uh, his first season so here's hoping that um, he carries on in that vein um, but aye, that was us 2-0 up, 20 minutes in um, and you did think inside you kind of had that feeling that um, it could have been a cricket score. Uh, Celtic were right up for it, and um, Dembele was right up for it. Aye, as I said, they thought. I mean, if we had really kept that, kept that speed up, could have been any score, and it, we didn't necessarily drop it. I think Marlow sort of changed their shape after that, um, and we did, uh, we did remain dominant for for all. They maybe they maybe grew into the game. We were always we were always in control, and I think as it came into the second half again, we came out. We had a, a couple of chances again. Carson made an absolutely fantastic save for uh, Dembele with the header, and then as it came out to him, he made another good save with his feet. Um, but Mallow had a few chances of their own in the second half. As I say, they they definitely did go into it, and they they did play. A, deal, a great deal better in the second half than, than the way they started the first half but like I said we were always in control and we were always dominant, Craig Gordon had a couple of saves to make here and there I know they hit the bar with a free kick but um, I felt like we, we dealt with them really well I and just like talking there about Craig Gordon and we've said it before and the big man as little as he often has to do in the game, he always pulls out the shot stopping, doesn't he? he always kinda, he's always alert enough um, and handles it and uh, he dealt well with everything that, that was thrown at him in the second half. He did die. There was a few saves. I think um, there was one for Maine where he turns inside the box in his right foot. He tipped over the bar and um, he had one or two other ones that were, that were saves you would expect him to make but but always concentrated and always alert. And then, as I said, towards the end, towards the last 10 minutes where Malibu did the, the free kick that hit the bar and 
they were kind of just throwing everything at it for the last 10 minutes and that is the time where you think you don't want to lose a goal in the last 10 minutes because you know how the momentum can swing with a two-goal lead. And there's a few times where he just came out and collected across and fell in the ball and it just takes the pressure off everybody and he just he done exactly what, what was needed of him and and that's that's what he always does. You did touch on the fact that um, Carson had a, a cracking save for Dembele and Dembele just was on fire. Um, he was so lively on Saturday and it would have been nice to see him get his goal but it was one of the games that it just was never really coming, wasn't it? No, the big man wasn't he getting his goal. Aye, um, it would have been nice to, to cap it off. Um, that was what I fancied in the second half, really. I thought it would have been nice if Dembele could have rounded it off um, for 3-0. But, I mean, as I say, still to get man in the match, fully deserved. I mean, there was, it's not to discount any of the other performances. Callum McGregor was brilliant, as we've, we've touched on. Much more than his goal, his all-round play was, was just excellent. Kieran Tierney was uh, tireless down the left-hand side, absolutely. A threat all day. Cham we've touched on. There was there was a few there was a few great performances, but I think it's uh, a mark of how well Dembele played that he didn't get his goal. Uh, but he still he still walked away with the man of the match because um, he was he was really good. And for all everybody talked about how physical Muller were going to be and they're this big strong team that are going to come put you under pressure. We didn't see it that much, and that's. That's a reflection of how well Celtic can deal with that because there's no stronger player in the park than Moussa Dembele. No. And it doesn't matter how big your centre-halves are. Or nobody's, nobody's pushing them off the ball. And that was a real mark of how well Celtic could deal with Marlowe's physical threat and their directness. And as I say, we just sort of quelled it right for the word go and they were never able to, to get any joy out of us with our physicality. So some outstanding performances, a couple of cracking goals, um, but most importantly, a double treble. <laughs> Aye, but as a, in the cup final, that's all that matters. As I said, when it's 2 now, 20 minutes in, you think, oh, maybe this could be an absolute romp here. But it doesn't need to be. We were, as I say, we're always in control. And just leading up to the final whistle, it was just that sense of anticipation waiting for the whistle to go and then to just to just let the party the party begin and uh, it was the celebrations were fantastic and I mean <laughs> we'd need to go over it again and again but just the size of the achievement is is fantastic. And the celebrations really did go on, didn't they? The celebrations were um just to to look at that team and what they've achieved it's a an absolutely amazing unit, the team. They they just um, they always turn up when they need to, and they deserve that more than anything. They deserve that double treble. They deserve to write themselves into the history books again. Um, and let's be honest, who knows what that team is capable of as we move forward, as we keep going, as we charge into next season, um, additions come and all that sort of stuff. But the celebrations were amazing. I'm sure we can touch on what's potentially coming up and what we think for the next season over the, um, maybe even the, the latter part of the podcast, but certainly over the next few weeks. Um, the open bus top tour, um, the the crowd lining 
lining the streets. Um, what a celebration that was, eh? Aye, it was absolutely amazing scenes. I mean, we missed it because we were straight on the bus, sort of, sort of back home. So the traffic kind of meant that we kind of we missed it. But I'm I'm actually gutted that I missed it because it was it looked absolutely brilliant and as day sort of scenes. I mean, just to come back before we before we move away for the game, I think the the real strength that Brendan Rodgers has added is that that belief and that that sort of mentality and the ruthlessness that Celtic have taken on since he came in. That's something that I know I've been crying out for from I've been watching Celtic is this streak of ruthlessness where we should be winning trebles and we should be <coughs> winning trophies year in and year out. And I know we have been ruthless in the league, but um, to put it all together with something like back-to-back trebles, when you think about the record that we had at Hamden under Vonnie Dyla and under Neil Lennon's, Neil Lennon's record at Hamden is really, really poor. Brendan Rodgers has been at Hamden something like eight times. I think he's conceded two goals and they were both to Hibs in the semi-final of the League Cup. Like, and as you say, who knows what, what this team can achieve as it grows and develops and gets strengthened because that is the mark of a team that is fully confident in itself in big games and that record at Hamden is something that we could only have dreamed of two years ago, three years ago. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, the bus, open top bus tour, absolutely amazing. That's all I could think watching it was who in their right mind wants to leave Celtic right now? Who, who does? Even just the Instagram stories told me that, that every, every single one of them was lapping up that open-top bus to the, the kind of um, journey back to Celtic Park. And um, I think the adulation that the fans give the team, and we've talked about it before, you will get that nowhere else. Nowhere are you going to get the, the, the adoration and, like, the worship that that Celtic fans give to those players, and uh, it's just like to hear the chants and the songs, and from the the roadside, not in the stadium, lining the streets, like it is phenomenal. And you hit the nail on the head. Who in their right mind wants to walk away from that? Who wants to say, "Oh, this isn't for me." I need something better than this, or I need something new. It just beggars belief. Like you just can't think of anyone feeling like they need to move now. Well, I, it's, I mean, Dembele's always the one that there's been a lot of speculation around since he first came in. But even from his point of view, I mean, he'll do he'll do really well in his career to be on an open top bus tour with thousands of people in the streets singing his name. And that's, I mean, he's a fantastic player and he could go into, he'd go into a really high level. But that connection and that level of, as you say, worship and adulation that you get if, if you perform well for Celtic is really, really hard to come by. And I just hope that, I hope that they're all aware of that. And I think that they are 
because you see it now with guys like Ayer and Tom Rogic, who we touched on last week, we didn't know what was happening with his contract, signed a five-year deal. Come on! Not even like a, a sort of Stuart Armstrong last season, where it was a bit uncertain and then he signed a, a one-year extension, which made his contract two years. Tom Rogic, a five-year deal. And you can just, you can sense that these guys know that they're part of something special right now. And it's good to see them committing to being here because it's, it is a great time to be here and they might never, they ne might never be at a club like this who's achieving this much history ever again. What a time to be a time. <laughs> it's, it's just as after us touching on Rogic last week and being unsure of what was going to happen, um, was he going to move on? Was he thinking that way? To see him sign the five-year deal, to see people committing for five and six years, and like people who actually want to be a part of what Celtic are about nowadays, and it, it, it is testament to the unit that Brendan Rodgers has created, the momentum that he's creating, like. People are excited to be a part of his future plans. People know that he's got big things in store and um, and believe in his like his, his ethos and his, his tactics, his management style. They believe in him and they want to be a part of what he's doing. And us as fans just boost and, and hopefully um, deepen that connection with Celtic and what we're all about just now. So... It is nice to see. I love that Big Rogic is here for another five years. I couldn't be happier. Literally, couldn't be happier. Um, it is just. I, I can't like my emotions. I just can't put them into words. Like it is just a good time to be following Celtic. It's a great time to have started a podcast about Celtic, and I can't wait to to kind of discuss more and more as we move forward. The open top bus, the all that sort of stuff. Hopefully that's the start of a lot of things that are going to keep coming for Celtic and um, and it's exciting to be part of this journey. Aye, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal time to be involved and as Brendan Rodgers has said before when when the the trio of management players and fans are united, Celtic's a really powerful force and Never, never a truer word spoken, and I think the perfect, the perfect uh, unison between the players and the fans is having somebody like Kieran Tierney, who is a fan that just plays, and to see him join and lead the the Green Brigade and and the celebrations after winning trophies and and things, it's just brilliant to see that connection because it's such a special thing that Celtic have never really had before. I know the, cult, the sort of football culture hasn't always been that a player would go to the side of the park and kind of get a megaphone and lead chanting. I know that's maybe a sort of more modern era thing, but to have that connection is, is just a real symbol of how closely knit a force Celtic is just now and only a sign of positive things to come. Massively. So we've we've really we've we've reached the end of quite a season. Um one definitely for the history books. Um we've written them firmly again or, or rewritten them should I say. 
uh, firmly again. Um, and it has been a season uh, ups and downs, which is banned uh, talking about the downs. But um, just what a season. What an absolutely amazing season it's turned out to be. Um, delivering the double treble. And I think maybe uh, an idea to look at what the perhaps the, the moment of the season has been for us and um, what we see as our, our personal the, the turning point of the season, the best thing that happened this season. So um, if we both have a wee bit of a blather about that and, and discuss what we think our moment of the season has been. Aye, well, I think having... I know I've mentioned the sort of inconsistency, but it has been a phenomenal season because the big games have had so many great moments in them. Like we've we've already went over and over about this Celtic team. They always really turn up on the big occasions in this season. We've had so many games, particularly like the Rangers games and and the Cup games where we've had we've had really, really special moments. But oh I mean it's a hard moment of the season to to, to single out one is so difficult. So I think if I was to pick my favourite moment of the season I think Tom Rogic at Ibrox to make it one each, ten minutes in. Um, I think that's that's probably my favourite single moment of the season because obviously leading into that game, the media and Rangers full of the patter a bit off. We win, it's only six points or whatever it'd have been and trying to drum up this title race scenario that was that was never ever going to happen but then the way we started that game and to give away that poor early goal there's always a bit of you that's thinking oh no what if we do end up losing this but I think to just a matter of seven or eight minutes later for Tom Rogers to pick the ball up in the, the sort of centre right at the, the Rangers half and just glide inside and curl that beautiful, beautiful left foot shot past Wes Fotheringham, and to just hear the roar, the roar coming from the other end, and and the silence for the three other parts of the ground, and that's when you knew there's nothing, there's no race here, there's no competition here. We were right back at them straight away, and it was just a wonderful goal. It was such a wonderful, wonderful moment. I'm going to have to um, go to the same game. I think that game was one of the ones that had been built up. Uh, it's probably the first one that, in my mind, I thought maybe maybe there was something in it. Um, we've talked about it before, how coming up to um, playing Rangers, you think maybe it's sex amount of games gone, it's going to happen at one point, like we won't go unbeaten by Rangers forever. Um, and there was just maybe that we see the doubt in my mind, um, but I'm going to go for the third goal, uh, the one that, that sealed it for us, uh, big French Eddie by Godson, um, and the moment that he rifled that ball into the back of the net, and you just, that was defiance, like twice behind in the game, down to ten men, absolute defiance, like, that for me epitomises the spirit of the Celtic team and I could not pick a better moment of the season than French Eddie banging in the third goal at Ibrox. Aye, to be fair, 
I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, papering over that by any means. I could easily have picked that goal as well, obviously, with it being the winner. Um, but I think I just, I just preferred uh, Tom Rogic's goal for a sort of, a sort of technical point of view. But aye, that that really was the like really cementing them in their place and and just highlighting that there's nothing you can do to touch us here. We've played extremely poorly today with a calamity at the back. We've been down to 10 men and we're in your back garden and we're still going to stroll it with three points here. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Like, couldn't it have happened uh, at a better time against a better team? Um, and I think <laughs> closely tied to, to that game as the semi-final at Hamden against them. And I think if I was to have a, a runner-up moment of the season, I, we don't want to go for too many here. I know. <laughs> but uh, just for the absolute banter, like, <laughs> symbol of the banter years, that Dembele penalty, the Penenka, or the Hunenka, absolutely rubbing it in. And... And that was an absolutely glorious, glorious moment as well. Right, there's been a few, and I'm certain there'll be a few more against Rangers next season. Um, certainly more Hunskelton to, to come. Um, and the banter years, I'm certain, will continue, regardless of who's at the helm over the, um, the other side of Glasgow. Um, and it's just, again, I'm going to say it again. What a time to be a Tim. <laughs> I will look a broken record here. <laughs> I'll I'll have that broken record all day, every day. Aye, it's it's a it's a phenomenal season, and it's a great era that that we're living through right now, and and long may it continue. So, if we can just touch on the Premier League, um, brother, and uh, some of the the payments. Aye, this this is just something I wanted to to bring up. It seems a bit a bit left field after talking so much about how this season's went for Celtic, but um, it just aye, it just kind of popped up uh, on Twitter yesterday, and it's just a, a sort of breakdown of um, how the, the the TV money and the the merit money is has split up across the English Premier League and. It's, I mean, it's absolutely astonishing to look at. It's generally well, three or four of the, the columns are split evenly because that's the way the TV money works. And then there's sort of some clubs have earned more if they've, based on the amount of live games they've had. And then obviously the merit award for your league position is, is obviously incremental from top to bottom as well. But West Brom, 20th, um, there's their entire from from the league payments was ninety four and a half million pound. If you if you go up if you go out of the relegation zone, the lowest amount paid to a team that uh, avoided relegation, I think it was Huddersfield in sixteenth, is a hundred and two million pound. And in context, that's more than double Celtic's entire annual turnover. To and to, to just think. Like when we talk about what a powerful force Celtic is, um, with everything that we've got just now with the manager and the success we're having, I mean the mind wanders 
and you can only imagine what like the the levels that Celtic could compete at if they were guaranteed a one hundred million pound boost to turnover every single year just because the league they played in had a good T V deal. Right. And that's I mean, we know the Scottish T V deal is I mean it's absolute pittance compared to compared to that and it's that's I mean it's it's over it's over the top the amount of money that's paid for for the T V rights in England. But um to think where we would be with that sort of that sort of turnover is unbelievable. That that injection to any team um is only gonna be taking you in one direction, really. Um if you look at like we've said there, just the what's going on at Celtic just now with the limited amount of money and the, the turnover that we um achieve as a football club. Um doubling that for avoiding relegation in the Premier League down south, um would Brendan Rodgers having that sort of um money to play with and the scope to compete in the Premier League down south, um, it would only be a good thing for Celtic um, and you can only just dream about what would be achieved uh, with that sort of level of um, injection of cash coming in annually uh, to the team. Aye. Aye, it's not, and it's not to say, I mean, we're not getting into a discussion about can we go to the Premier League? That ship's sailed and it was never going to happen and it will never happen. That's no, it's not my point really. But I mean, I don't know what Scottish football has to do to to get better. I mean, I think the profile of the game is rising. With, uh, I mean, Brendan Rodgers was really the the first injection when he came in two years ago that really was a big name coming from managing big teams in England to Celtic, and it was like this guy's the real deal. And since then, other teams around about Scotland have been able to recruit better coaches, and it has raised the standard and profile. Um, but I don't know what has to be done to just try and try and get Scottish football a better deal, a better well, it's TV rights sponsorship. I just feel like we really need something that can that can impact the game positively from a, a financial standpoint and hopefully with the, the high profile coaches and uh, that can that can improve in, in the, the next next few seasons. It would be nice. Um and we can only just time will tell, won't it? Um what's gonna happen with television deals, sponsorship deals, all that sort of good stuff. So um we have an amazing season. Um it's it's good to kind of have a wee blur run about maybe kind of the potential of some of the um, the future uh, for Scottish football um, and probably never a better time to, to kind of touch on as we wind down from this season, as we continue on with the podcast um, have a wee glimpse glimpse? <laughs> glimpse at um, next season, what's coming up uh, Champions League qualifiers um, and maybe kind of some of the positions that that we believe 
um, Celtic can look to strengthen next season. So, um, Champions League qualifiers, Paul? Aye, well, Champions League qualifiers, um, we all know that it's four four qualifying rounds this season instead of instead of three. I think the first the first qualifying round, the first legs are due to be played around about the 10th or 11th of July. Um, I don't even think the World Cup will be finished yet. Um, so it's really early. I think the majority of the squad is getting three or four weeks off, which is, I mean, Kieran Tierney, I just heard him saying that like, since he came into the Celtic team, he's never had three or four weeks off. Scott Brown's obviously not international duty anymore. Like a lot of these guys will be getting their due rest because I think we've only got Lustig, Volgic, Boyatas in the, the preliminary squad for Belgium and Gamboa, who's who's on the fringe of the squad anyway, who are going to the World Cup. So the players will get a much needed rest. But as I say, in three, four weeks' time, they'll be back and uh, for pre-season and. The Champions League qualifiers will be starting early in July. Aye, there's there's never much downtime when it comes to Champions League qualifiers, is that? That's that's back to full competitive games again um, within literally a matter of weeks. Aye, it's it's not a it's not a big uh, close season that the players get these days. That was 61 games uh, on Saturday there with the cup final, and um, they'll be straight back in the pre-season, and then the qualifiers start basically straight away. We are um, we are going to be seeded for the the whole qualifying uh, journey, but we're almost guaranteed we'll be in pot four if if we manage to get there again. So I think the fact that we're seeded for the qualifying rounds might give us a slightly slightly kinder journey there. But I mean, there's still there's still some some difficult teams that we could we could draw in the rounds. So. They'll be difficult to navigate, as always. Aye, and having that extra one um, always makes it that wee bit more challenging, doesn't it? Because it gives you that one extra shot to pull um, somebody extra challenging, somebody that could seriously um, threaten your chances of making the group stages again for um, the, the third season and the bounce. Aye, um, we'll just... As I say again with Brendan Rodgers, you can't fault him. He's been here two seasons and he's he's got us to the group stage both occasions. And um, okay, we've we've had poor results once we've got there, but I mean it's such an important thing for the club financially to to get there, and um, that would be a great achievement if we could do that again. But I think he will definitely definitely be looking to to strengthen the team in a few areas. Um, where do you think? What sort of positions do you think you'll be looking at? Um, when when you consider the team and where it's at and where it's been at this season, um, I think the most alarming one for me has been that we just can't get a pairing um, at centre-back. Um, I think that we brought in um, Comper in January. Um, we've not seen him yet. Um, is that somebody that Brendan Rodgers is thinking of building on for next season? Um, I would like to think that he's going to strengthen um, the the back two. I would like to think he brings in someone who is going to be maybe the pairing that the IR hasn't got yet, um, because I think maybe IR is someone that we can work with and um, and build um, at the back with. Uh, but I would, I would think initially, when you pose that question, 
that my head goes straight away to um, bringing somebody in at centre-back. I think defence is always the one. That's the one we've been saying for seasons. Seems like every transfer window, like a broken record, that we're always looking to strengthen at centre-half. The Comper one's a strange one. I'll be really, really surprised if Marvin Comper appears for Celtic. I think that they've discovered something that they don't like since they arrived. I don't... I mean, I know he's come in halfway through the season and I... We could maybe say he's he's won for, for next season, but I mean, he is 33 when he's came in. Um, we've seen him for 70 minutes against Morton. Didn't he look great? But obviously, he's not a lot of football. But I just think the the lack of the lack of squads that he's made. The, I just I don't think anything's going to come of that. I think it's maybe just going to be one of the ones that we'll just have to write off. So I definitely think um, we'll be looking to strengthen it at centre half. I think right back and left back are needing strengthened as well. Just right back, I think Lustig at times this season has looked really ragged. He's rusty. He seems like he's been. A, I mean, he's been a great servant for the club, but he is getting old. His his mobility's no there, um, and he's he's made a few high-profile uh, errors this season. So I think we really need strength at right uh, right back and at left back. Kieran Tierney just needs some backup. Calvin Miller's come in uh, on a few occasions this season, but I don't think left back is his trade and. He's not looked great when he's when he's came in. So if we're going to have, obviously we know Kieran Tierney's a stick on every week, but we don't want to be putting him through 61, 90-minute games a season because we've not got the, the depth and the cover for him. So I think um, left-back's one that we'll be looking at as well. Um, then we, we move into... To midfield, um, Bruni and, and Cham have been really good this season. Um, I, I don't think that, that there's much needed there. Um, I think when you start to move out onto the wings, um, we've got James Forrest, this is an absolute belting season, um, but we've lost Paddy. Paddy's gone, I'm trying not to touch on that too much for you, brother. Seeing you well and up, just mentioning his name. Uh, the man's back down south. Um, so it would be nice to see a solid challenger come in um, for James Forrest, uh, somebody permanent that, that is going to um, stand up and, and be counted uh, and maybe push we James Forrest. Aye, I think that's since we've had Roberts um, for the past maybe two, two and a half seasons, that's been the thing that's pushed James Forrest on and that's maybe... It's maybe what he needs is somebody there pushing him in that, that sort of competition. Um, I think we will. Obviously, Lewis Morgan's coming in for St. Martin, who I'm really excited to see. You've heard um, a lot of a lot of good things about him for, for people that have worked with him before. and I think he speaks really well. Um, and by all accounts, he, he seems to be a really good professional. For what I've heard, and he's had a great season at uh, St. Martin. He was a championship player of the year. So he's maybe more suited to the left-hand side. Um, that will be good competition for Sinclair. I know McGregor's played there more recently as well. But I think we will be looking for maybe one, 
either somebody off the right-hand side or um, somebody that can play in that sort of 10 position, um, somebody that can maybe interchange between the two positions because we know we've got Rogic and Forrest, um, who may well be first choices there, but again, just about depth. Aye. And one thing that we've touched on, and again, it's banned, so we'll not go into too much depth, but um, we've lacked goals this season, which uh, it seems funny saying that because we've got Edson Edward, Edson Edward, <laughs> good in nine. Um, we've got Big Dembele, we've got Lee Griffiths, who's always, always good for a goal, but really has struggled this season. So there's goals. In the centre forward position, there goals there. Like, do, do they go away? And if we hold on to those three guys, if we, um, at some probably we can talk about at length and kind of another podcast as we start to look at the the season and maybe some of the things that are happening in the off season. Um, but it's not immediately like yes, because of how few goals they've scored collectively this season. But it's not immediately something that I think. Oh, we need to strengthen there because you feel that you've got a bit of strength. I have definitely got. I mean, those three have got all of the qualities that you need from strikers, and their own their own sort of combinations. They're all they're all different. I think, obviously, as we've said over and over, Dembele is the one that's always linked when moves away. But I've got a feeling. I'm almost certain that we'll we'll keep him for the qualifiers because that's just how Celtic will do things. Um, they won't want to sell their, their main striker before um, securing Champions League qualification. But even after that, I've just got a sneaky feeling that we're going to keep him. I don't think there'll be the same level of interest there might have been last season, and I don't think that Dembele is going to want to move to a club that he doesn't see being a great next step for him, like kind of like the Brighton thing in January. So I think we might keep Dembele. I think Griffiths, he's supposed to be in the verge of a new deal. And it's looking like we're going to tie up Edward permanently in the next... Edward. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. It looks like we're going we're gonna to get him permanently. Um, just the rumours the rumors on, online, and I think there's maybe been a, a French... Uh, news outlet that said we're on the brink of getting them permanently as well. So, where, aye, where are we sit now? I mean, it looks like we're keeping all three of them, but the problem this season has been they've all had injuries, uh, certainly at the start of the season, they were all injuries uh, on and off, and they never really got a, a real run. Um, so, hopefully, if we do keep the three of them, um, we can, they can stay clear of injuries, and then somebody can get um, a a good a good chunk of the season in there and and get a, a high a high goal tally because we've got I think it's Sinclair with 18 goals. He's been a top scorer, which I think if you had Dembele for the majority of the season, good one in the team, fully fit, or Griffiths, we know that they would be up there um, getting into the the 20s and. By all accounts, 18 goals for Celtic's top scorer in a season where you've had a clean sweep. It's, it's low, yeah. so there's been a good spread of goals about the team without one of the strikers really hitting a high tally. And 
and hopefully we can get that from them next season. But I think definitely if we keep the A3, we don't need to strengthen up there. No, not at all. Um, and I think that that's quite a good position to be in, <clears throat> having those three guys. Um, and like you said, if they can get a injury-free run at next season, even two of them, if they can get a completely injury-free run at next season, um, and one of them starts to uh, kind of pull away on uh, the goal tally, um, it would be certainly good to see a bit of competition between a few of them and, um, and start to bang in a few. Um, that kind of caps up um, the double treble uh, season and what an amazing podcast it's been to record. Um, as we move into the, the off-season, um, we will bring you podcasts as the weeks move along um, and take us right through into next season. Uh, some of the things, is, as we've discussed, Paul, um, we're going to kind of cover over the, the close season. Aye, well, as I say, we could be here talking all night. I think we're getting towards our mark here. Nobody will be listening at this point. But um, <laughs> aye, we'll have a... I think next week we'll do a... a Scott Brown, we'll, we'll do a, a wee tribute podcast for Scott Brown. We'll just sort of run through looking at Celtic career um, after his testimony over the weekend and just sort of mark his his uh, decade at the club. Um, also, maybe a couple of ideas for some some off-season features. Um, I think we'll do a an all-time Celtic eleven uh, episode, which uh, no doubt there'll be there'll be a, a fiery debate over. It'll be interesting to see. Um, the, the teams we can come up with there um, and then that will probably take us over the next two or three weeks back in towards the pre-season and we'll do a, a whole season preview um, of how the, the the Scottish season is looking for next season and um, that will be us back into the full swing in July. Back into competition and back into Champions League qualifiers so um, guys as usual Thank you very, very much for listening to Celtic 2021. Um, we hope we do bring you some interesting points and topics and um, discuss the, the relevant um, ongoings at Celtic. Um, hit us up on iTunes, give us a wee five-star um, rating and by all means get in touch at Celtic 2021 on Twitter. Um, that is us for another week I believe it's the, the end of the fifth episode um, and we very much look forward to, to bringing you episode number six on our captain Scott Brown next Tuesday evening thanks again guys and we will speak soon